0: Hello and good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker, from New England Curiosities, welcoming you to the show today. And it's it's a little bit quieter in the room today because it's just <laughs> Lou and I um, manning the helm of Wicked Curious Radio. The amazing Ken is taking an amazing nap today. <laughs> good for him. Say I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah. Um, But Ken works uh, many hats, so unfortunately he cannot be with us today. Um, However, we still have a great show for you. A well-earned morning off. Yes, a very well-earned morning (laughs) off, considering he gets home in the morning at about 7.30 a.m. We just finished up with Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition, Yeah, and um, we actually learned how to do uh, spoon bending.
1: Some of us did. Well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you gave it a valiant
1: effort. I did. And,
0: and it's hard because there's so many things going on in the studio. So yeah. it's trying to devote all your energy to spoon bending. And, um at first it was very difficult and then it got easier and easier so um i have some uh bent spoons and forks and now <laughs> no one's gonna allow me in their restaurant anymore say <laughs> so, oh god there she is and um we went through
1: what seven techniques
0: we did we went through seven techniques of um spoon and fork bending I and think a lot you of nailed
1: five of them didn't you or maybe oh, six
0: i got a few of them the yeah. fir- well the first two i i struggled with um yeah. and i think it was just the mindset so i'll um if you are watching on facebook live i'll show you yeah. a couple that i have here and it's one of those things where you have to get out of your head yeah and i think anything with you know psychic abilities or intuition you've got to get out of your head and connect to your higher self and i think at, at first i had such a notion of what it was supposed to feel like in trying to figure out how to do it that it actually blocked me from doing it. I was like, oh, it's supposed to feel like this. And it ended up feeling like nothing. It just, (laughs) it felt like the air. Like, it was, I was just trying to move the air. And, um something that i'm definitely going to try a little bit more i didn't bend the the tines of the fork so much but i yeah. did almost break the fork
1: you can work on that
0: so so and i'm gonna to try to build it up a little
1: having handled those i will tell everybody who's looking and looking at those you did not you did not bend those just physically bend them because i tried to unbend one of your spoons and couldn't do it i mean you can't it's not a it's not rigged it's not a you just bent no. them. no you need more than physical strength to do that. Yeah,
0: I think focus is yeah. is definitely a lot, and having that intent, and then picking the right time. And I actually thought it was kind of cool not handling them and having it put down on the table, or and then setting your focus on that and then picking it up at the right moment to bend it rather than sitting there trying to you know figure out
1: oh it's funny now that you say that because the first two techniques were holding it in your hand right while you were getting ready to bend it and the rest the other five were it started on the table and when you were ready you picked it up and bent it
0: right and and those those are the ones that worked sitting there trying to hold it again i think i was just too focused on what am i supposed to be feeling Rather than focusing my energy on where it needed yeah. to go, I think there's definitely a, a learning curve to it, and I don't know. It's I, I think I want to do more of it. It's really, it's really super cool. I mean, these aren't they're not. I try to get some really thick spoons. Yeah, no,
1: those are those are not. Uh, it, that was not easy to bend.
0: It was. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it, you and I can't right now. I can't even bend this back. This is like impossible. Right. Yeah yeah
1: that's what i'm trying to impress on people because you know people would look at that and go well you know okay you physically bent it and it's no
0: no it didn't it couldn't
1: be it really couldn't be done that easily
0: it's pretty cool um something that hasn't uh hasn't come across my path yet to try so i'm i'm super excited and um some of the listeners to ghost chronicles actually sent me pictures and, and they had a well, whole stack of them the show yeah. of what they had, they actually bent the tines and bent them way down and yep. um great thing to do over morning coffee apparently (laughs) when when you're just
1: don't use a good utensil i
0: was gonna say when you're done stirring your coffee (laughs) um if you're you're looking to bend it up um it's really cool so uh so I definitely had to give a, a shout-out. Um, uh, Leslie Marden directed us in, in how to do this, and you definitely should uh, look up Leslie. She does um, a lot with the New England Ghost Project. She gave us perfect instructions on, on how to do it, everything from connecting with the stars to connecting with the fire yeah. of the earth to having your outside self, which I, th- I think that's a great concept, that we all have this yeah. outside self that we can send to do our work god i can think of like a million things i want my other self to do
1: and that was the takeaway at the end i wish we had a little more time at the end with leslie because she was talking about using these i mean this is this is a good party trick and bending spoons and things Mm -hmm. like but using these techniques to move your world just right you know using them in general
0: well she was even saying about you know using it to move obstacles if you're trying to get that perfect job yeah like finding that energy and resetting it and even just her talking about using it in school like when kids come in with a bad attitude and being able to turn that around. And I think that's, you know, whether you're talking about energy, you're talking about magic, being able to find those practical, real-world applications. And, you know, we talk about all the time in classes doing magic every day, I think that's really where you're tapping into the, the infinite possibilities of what you can do yep. with the energy that you have. So you so, learn
1: this technique, you get involved in this technique and you can find a lot of useful places for it.
0: Like she said to really harness the power of the human mind. Yep. And you know, it's it's not what we think that there's there's so much openness to it and so much that, it, that we can do that we don't even realize. So um, it was just, it was really fun, and I definitely had to to give a shout out to this today.
1: And when we start talking about these types of things, we tend to think, the skeptics or the people who haven't gone through it tend to think it's a very nuanced thing. Yeah, you can influence your outcomes, and, Mm -hmm. you know, very, and you all all have your own concepts of what it was. But in today, on the show, Mm -hmm. live, it turned into you bending those spoons, and again, the spoon's not easy to bend.
0: No, I mean, I, I can't. that that was a
1: stunning amount of of energy that went into bending those
0: well and it's funny to think that you have that energy within you to do that and you can harness it to to direct it to do something like that because consciously i'm sitting here and i'm like i want to bend and it's like it's not going anywhere um it's all there if you tap into it (laughs) it's it's so cool it's just it's so cool i definitely i don't know if i want to I don't know what I want to do with this next I know. like I just I'm so excited about being able to to now have this skill I know Ron was saying that you, know, you can make wind chimes out of these so yeah. maybe in my <laughs> infinite spare time I will uh, do some more bending but my fork's pretty much broken
1: yeah, I want to go play with it because I want to figure it out because I mean it was a, it was a stunning amount of power it was, mm-hmm. it was stunning it wasn't there was nothing nuanced about what happened
0: no and the the first one i bent i was actually laughing because it was all about the power of love and yeah. telling the object that you know i love you and i'm like oh my god seriously like i'm really going to do this in front of people and i just i had to get by my preconceived notion of right. how weird this felt um because i don't usually you know Talk to my
1: flatware and say I love you. That technique, in part, was telling you spoon, I-, I love you, right, three times,
0: and looking at it like you did. I thought it was absolutely bizarre, but as soon as I finished saying it and picked it up, it was like nothing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, your just...
1: reaction was good too.
0: <laughs> I'm like, what just happened?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But um, I, I will, uh, I will tell you more about the uh, continuing adventures in. Um, <laughs> spoon and fork bending, and now no one's gonna invite me over their house, they're gonna give me plastic utensils now, but it's fascinating, and I think that's a lot of what we talk about on the show, is just kind of pushing the limits to what we know in the unknown. On today's show, I actually want to talk about a couple of things that have come up at Dedwicks. I spent the weekend at Dedwicks. Everybody's coming in and saying, what do we do about the second new moon this month? Oh, it's called everyone, the black moon. Everyone's freaked out. Every, everybody's freaking out. In fact, we sold out of moon incense this weekend because everybody's trying to balance their energy. Yeah. Plus, we're in the last days of Mercury retrograde, where you have to go backwards to go forwards. So- Weren't m- there
1: like four planets in retrograde? There or? were four yeah.
0: planets in retrograde, yep. and, and everybody's been feeling the push. And And much like what we were just talking about, People feel that collective energy. Like you can just tell when people come in the store where they gravitate to, like they're looking to balance that. Yeah. And they could be people from all walks of life, all ages, all genders, and they know that there's something in the universe they're picking up on that energy, their receptors are. It was, it's pretty cool. And what I told everybody for, for the black moon was just coming up in just a couple of days. So mm-hmm. it's the second new moon in the month, last day.
1: Uh, so this is the new moon equivalent of a blue moon.
0: Right. Two exactly. in one month. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is not to do anything. Like, don't sign contracts. Don't make major decisions. Don't even do magic. Don't do meditation. It's a good reminder for us. And I think we think more about it in the winter is just to be silent and just to go within and not get entanglements with anybody. And I find that a lot of people are being a lot of, I guess, confrontational right mm-hmm. now. They're willing to argue about things and bring things up because of the mercury retrograde energy. But it's a good time just to kind of be silent and not yeah. do anything right now.
1: This when does week. all this end?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Until the next cycle. Yeah. Um, the end The end of this week. And like on our last show, um, we're in Leo right now. Mm-hmm it's a good time to kind of think about all right so as we move into this fiery transformational energy coming back in at the end of the week just kind of think about what it is that you'd like to do and what do you want to harness this month we're also um this week we're midsummer i hate to say that yeah i know we're halfway through summer july has flown it it totally has flown yeah. you'll notice all of the stores now much much to my delight are starting to get the fall and Halloween things yeah. in. And I did buy uh, a lot of uh, Halloween things this past weekend <laughs> um, because I went up to Portland, and uh, Portland, Maine. And that's really what brings me into the show today, is to bring in some ghost stories from Maine.
1: Nice.
0: However, oh, oh hello. Oh, it's Miguel. See, missed something good today. Bad enough, had to work on the day. <laughs> my my silverware drawer is yours. Come on down. All right, Miguel, I will come on down, and you will have...
1: Do not challenge her, I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: have some some wacky looking silverware so I bet like you'll this. lose <laughs> <laughs> just be down there saying i love you to your silverware drawer and hi sandra
1: it's available on demand of course on ghost chronicles morning edition
0: yes most most definitely yep. and you can you can check it out see just all the excitement so on um on my way up to portland last week i stopped in kenneth had to stop at the dmv it's always exciting yeah it's i walked in and said i'm gonna walk right back out." i had
1: my own dmv run in too because had to renew my license me this too. year so yeah me too yeah so that's this whole black moon it is yeah
0: and that was and you know what i it said went I,
1: that way too <laughs> It didn't
0: really yes i i, I, I said you know what big I'm not, fight
1: I'm... with the representative <gasps> yeah they didn't think it was you no uh, it's it's a stupid thing it you're from new hampshire
0: oh, my my license is maine i live in maine
1: oh in maine right yeah in massachusetts i i switched over to a real id Okay. And so you had to produce some documentation of who you were, birth certificate, social security card. And then they gave you this big list of things to prove Massachusetts residency. Okay. That's the way it said. Yeah. To prove Massachusetts residency. And they gave you a list of things, and uh, they needed printed copies, and it's the electronic age, so I don't have a lot of bills around that are printed. Yeah. So I had two on hand. I had my property taxes, and I had my uh, excise tax okay. from this year, which were listed on the item and i went and my excise tax here is is at my old address mm-hmm. so the two items are of different addresses and she oh, said no. i can't take them as why She goes, cuz they're in different addresses it says prove massachusetts residency it doesn't say city or town right and it doesn't say you can't have two addresses so and that was after 50 minutes of waiting and
0: Oh, great. So, know, so it
1: required a second trip. But, oh. You know, it's one of those things that happens when things are going against you. It, it's yeah. true. And yeah.
0: and that would be a day I'd say, you know what, wait and go a little bit later, and that's actually what I did. I because if the universe
1: were helping, the concierge at the front would say, well, let me see you. She asked me if I had my papers, mm-hmm. and I said, yes, I did. And she would have asked to see them and stopped me before I waited for 50 minutes, which would have been perfectly acceptable. I wouldn't have had a problem with that. But,
0: but now you, you had yeah. to sit there, and now you got to go back. So you've gone back. Is everything yeah. okay? Yeah. All is good. Oh yep. my God!
1: But it's just one of those things that happens in the new moon, apparently, or when Mercury's in retrograde. Or
0: it does. Everything is much more complicated than it yeah. needs to be.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So. Geez, Mercury's been in retrograde my whole life.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> seems that way, doesn't what the it?
1: Hell the hell's going on with me and Mercury?
0: I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's that Leo energy that you're bringing to it. <laughs> So we, we went to uh, we went to the DMV, my daughter and I, and I had her do what she needed to do. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go back next week. There's yeah. way too many people in there. Yeah. On the way out, I drove up the road uh, heading towards the beach. And there's a beautiful house in Kennebunk. It's called the Wedding Cake House. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it was built in the mid-1800s. It's really a landmark.
1: I saw your photo. It was beautiful.
0: And... Yeah it's unfortunately not being cared for anymore. My understanding is it needs an awful lot of work, and with work comes money, and the people that own it can no longer maintain it. So in the front yard, which um, photographs I I didn't even bother to post, there's overgrown grass, there's cars in the grass, and when you take a close look at all the wood ornamentation, which it's very gothic, I mean it looks like a wedding cake, right. it's all starting to rot away. So if you have a chance, uh, to go and visit the wedding cake house it's it 's all posted now, no trespassing. They used to do tours of this house yeah. uh, there 's a nice spot in front of it where you can at least pull over and hop out and get some pictures and it's it 's right off of um, downtown Kennebunk so as you're heading out to Kennebunk port um, and you 'll pass all the sea captains homes and this one you really <laughs> can 't miss and i was I was really disappointed to see that. The house is starting to fall apart because just about five six years ago it was in pristine condition. So I'm hoping that either there's yep. some sort of preservation efforts made for it, or someone can do something to save it. I'd love to see it open for tours again. There's a, a lot of folklore about the house that the house was um, built by a sea captain for his wife, and he decided to build it in this grand way. Nice. So when he was out at sea, that she had something beautiful that reminded her of their union and of their marriage. It's changed hands a lot of times a lot of the antiques that were original to the house yep. have now been sold off and um, it looks pretty rough so yep. it's unfortunate but
1: I'm surprised some preservation society hasn't Jumped in. Yeah.
0: I, I would I would think it's privately owned. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't yeah, maybe, stop
1: preservation societies around it, here. It, no, and, and yeah. that's true. And yeah. I would yeah. think
0: that some sort of agreement could be made. But maybe this this person that owns it isn't as interested as they should be. Unfortunately, uh, if you want to see the picture that I took, it's actually on Instagram. So if you go to Instagram, yeah. I have all sorts of fascinating pictures of houses and scenery in New England, and um, you can see that house. It's um, absolutely gorgeous, but it's rough.
1: Just as an aside, before I forget it, new report this week is Yankee Homecoming. This past weekend and through next weekend, and one of the best things about Yankee Homecoming for me, there's lots of stuff going on, but they started this program several years ago called If This House Could Talk, Mm -hmm. and they encourage people to put signs together in front of the Mm -hmm. house with what they know of the history of the house and and who owned it and things like that, and there are well over 100 you know, approaching 200 houses doing it now. Really? And I just stopped at two, two or three of them yesterday. One of which included a uh, captain, an army captain who fought on Bunker at Bunker Hill and Lexington and Concord, and bought that house originally from the British for thirty-four dollars and forty-nine cents in,
0: in, <laughs> $4 in 1770
1: cents. yeah and uh right down the street from that was a house where it was a ship captain's house and uh, as you're going through the history turns out his great great grandson this ship captain's great great grandson was one of the two partners that started polaroid personal. really yeah and then another house down the same street uh the third mayor of newburyport lived in this house yeah you know after it was built and it's just that kind of history there's just so much stuff going on i i wish Porseth would adopt something like that because
0: i mean we've got you know so many houses that go back to the 1600s even out in newcastle you can't know every single story about them i would love to to, dare i say start something like that in Porseth. maybe i'll suggest it
1: Uh, (laughs) i know then (laughs) you get involved right
0: right and then you get involved but it's it's brilliant
1: it goes from just sheets of paper in plastic covering mm-hmm. and tacked to the walls of the house Yeah, up to one house put together this uh, beautiful frame thing. They put uh, four by four timbers up and had it printed on this canvas and then stretched it among the canvas. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They, it, the full gamut. So but that, there's interesting stories like the the room to your left there was a chicken coop before it became the dining room of the house. <laughs> You know, it was closed <laughs> off and made the dining room, and you know, stuff like that. Just, ah, just I history of an old port town. You know,
0: I love it. That's um, the back of of Dedwick's. We have um, an old addition on the back, and it used to be the stables, and it's now the kitchen. Yeah. And, and you'd never even know by standing back there. You, you can tell, though, it's a little bit off yeah. when you walk through from the old building into, you know, again, it's like 50 years newer. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they kept horses
1: in here. Yeah, this is where, where the horses stood.
0: Yeah, it, it's just, it, <laughs> yeah. I love that weird stuff like yeah. that. And is that through this weekend?
1: <clears throat> uh, yes, it goes through the end of Sunday. And then I, I think the... Um if this house could talk, I think they leave them up a little bit longer. But they're, they're specifically up for Yankee Homecoming.
0: Oh my God, that's, that's amazing! It. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a really good take. And you can just walk through town and run into these things. And uh, there's also some links with maps, where you can find the houses if you want to really? find them. But they're littered all over downtown. Just now, almost anywhere you walk.
0: Now, is it the the historical society or what commission, or is it just
1: part someone of? Came up. My understanding is my someone came up with the idea about five years ago okay. and people started doing it spontaneously and it just it's I don't think it's any one particular organization There's an organization that's doing the maps mm-hmm. but they're not running the thing it's just something that's caught on in town and people love to show the history of the houses especially like in an old port town of all course. these houses have great history oh. there's one I know I haven't seen it this year but there's one I know where a guy lived in there who was the guy who figured out do you know the Enigma machine that no. the Germans used
0: no is, was that the was that the decoder? Yeah okay
1: it was the decoder and the the uh, Ameri- Americans captured it but they didn't tell the Germans that they had it of course mm-hmm. and they had people breaking the enigma machine to break the codes and mm-hmm. he was one of the guys who was involved in breaking the codes
0: and he happened to live in Newburyport in yeah. one of these great houses. Yeah. Oh my God yep yeah it's I, I, I love that because you just you don't know who who lived here and what impact right. they had on your life too
1: one of them uh, one of the houses had a uh, member of the Donna party. Oh. Yeah, who grew up in that house, it was living in that house before they left on the Donna Party. Oh,
0: they should have stayed at the house. Yeah. <laughs> it never, it never I went. I don't
1: know if they were one of the feeders or the feedees, but. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh, so bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Donna Party, table four. Yeah. Oh, so bad. <laughs> um, I, I might be actually interested on on my way home today, maybe just to take a quick swing and take a look and then maybe come back this Oh, good. This, this afternoon
1: week. they have the bed races, so on Federal the be- Street. The
0: bed races. Yeah.
1: I think it's this afternoon the bed races. In
0: all this heat, they're going to be out there racing on beds. Yep. Oh my god. Yep, down
1: Federal Street.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it's a, Brilliant. It's a really
1: great event. I used to hate it because it just took the town away for ten days, because everybody's there. But you, it just catches you every time. You hate it at the beginning, and then you start going to the <laughs> things. And go, oh, this is cool.
0: Uh, you know? we'll see. That, yeah. Now there's something to appreciate there. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's awesome oh let's see uh we toured that house Sandra says we toured that house it's very old now it was an event to raise money um I wish they'd raise more money save save that wedding cake house but um it sounds like Newburyport's the place to be for the remainder of the week so I'm gonna have to poke in there if you like house history that
1: is the place to be yeah
0: oh yeah I think that's a, a great concept Portsmouth could benefit from something like that yeah in our in our infinite let's see an, enough things that we have going on. I mean this past weekend we had I was had, thinking
1: there's a business putting together better signs for them.
0: just <laughs> taking the information and putting
1: together better better signs.
0: Or even even a little book or a little little booklet where you could just go around on your own and and have all the stories in a book to see where they are. But um, yeah. I don't know any authors,
1: unfortunately. You don't? I, don't?
0: I don't know a single author. I know
1: nothing but authors. Yeah.
0: Um, so, well, I would definitely, um, I'll report back on that and yeah. uh, maybe take some more pictures. It's great, great, great town, Newburyport. Yeah. All right, so we've got some stories from Maine, some Mm -hmm. ghostly tales, everything from haunted lighthouses to, of course, a haunted fort. So what what I'll do is gather up those tales, Mm -hmm. and we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll tell you some more ghost stories. So don't go away. You're listening to Wicked Curious.
2: For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly Entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at newenglandcuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook.
0: Greetings to you, Traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's mystery maven or even New England's scary godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really want to share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are Wicked Curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker, you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash Roxy's Wicker R-O-X-I-E z w i c k e r and we thank you so much for joining our curious journey Welcome back, everyone, to Wiki Curious Radio. I'm Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities. And you're finding us on Facebook Live, Buzzsprout, iTunes. And if you are listening to our podcast, make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. I am still collecting um, and transcribing (laughs) previous episodes and popping those up um, as I can. So you don't want to miss any of our really... Cool journeys as we venture out. And I do, I should mention, um, as we go into talking about some of the main ghost stories, even though Ken's not here, I'm going to have to mention a food place.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: So in, in homage to uh, to my favorite foodie, um, we actually stopped at Becky's Diner.
1: Come on, we're all foodies.
0: <laughs> we are. Whether
1: we admit it or not, oh, we're all I guess foodies. So. I guess so. Yeah.
0: So I stopped at Becky's Diner last week with my daughter in the old port. Mm-hmm. It's really super cool because we got there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Wasn't a whole lot going on. And all you do really is just pull up and you can just smell the seafood coming yeah. out of those type of places where immediately you're grabbed before you even get in the place yep. those are the places that yep. I love so you know no big frills in there although you have to walk by as soon as you go in the door the big glass case which is full of loads and loads of delicious cakes and pies oh, wow
1: and they hit you right in <laughs> they
0: do they, yeah. they, I mean immediately from out of the car in the front door they've got you <laughs> and I was sitting there with my daughter, and we we're like, oh, well, you know, we should leave enough room so we can get a dessert. And she's like, oh, I want this one right over here. And we barely made it halfway through our lunch, and the people behind us bought six slices of cakes and pies to take home. Oh, no. And there was, like, hardly anything left. Oh, no. <laughs> so the waitress comes over, and she says, oh, I'm so sorry. She says, I saw you eyeing the desserts. She says, our baker can barely keep up today. Yeah. So people weren't just coming in to eat. They were also taking the pie and cakes home, yeah. unfortunately. But good for them. So they're um, definitely the first thing you want to check out when you go in there. Um, got Did some they have seafood? the diner?
1: Cream pies—they have a coconut they, cream oh, oh, and the banana cream. You know, you know yeah. they did. They
0: did. They had the banana cream, and that was what I had my eye on.
1: That's the only reason anyone goes to a diner.
0: It's true. <laughs> it's, it's true. A, yes, the, des, the desserts it's not are amazing. Yeah, yeah. oh, I don't know. You know, diners typically have. We you can know, make eggs home at home,
1: but I'm going. Uh, there's Absolutely. going to be a banana cream pie sitting there.
0: And they had uh, fresh blueberry pies yeah. in there. My daughter was looking at the uh, the white cake with this amazing white buttercream frosting on it. They were all gone. Yeah. In, in like a span of like 15, 20 minutes as soon as we settled in. Wow. But um, got some chowder. chatter, chatter so was that's amazing. So
1: Order your dessert when you get in. Reserve actually, your dessert.
0: Actually, next time I go, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to yep. say, can you put a, a plate of that aside? Yep. And it's funny because they weren't terribly busy. Again, it was mid-afternoon, but there were enough people right. in there that were taking the desserts home. Yep. Great prices, great food, great menu. They had specials of the day. All their seafood is fresh caught right in Casco Bay. It's just as you get into the old port as you're coming off the Casco Bay Bridge. Um, It's right on the right-hand side, a little old clock out in front of it. And it's quintessential New England. As we drove through the old port. Portland's a great
1: restaurant town. Oh, it is. It is a great restaurant town.
0: It's it's just like Portsmouth. I mean, every corner's got a a good restaurant. Mm -hmm. But I did notice, much like Portsmouth, uh, they're really building it up there there are some massive buildings going in along the old port and some of the old vacant lots and it's getting pretty tall there like you look across and there's some buildings you can't see anymore because it's just Hmm. it's so big there's some businesses going in there more hotels so even midweek it was pretty congested my footnote is (laughs) even though we did not get dessert we drove up to the Western Promenade in Portland where they have just breathtaking homes just gorgeous all the big mansions and on the side of the road was a little ice cream truck. Ooh. And it was really super cool, they do soft serve ice cream. They'd only been open a month, and they had themed ice creams. This little menu, and each dessert had like this strange theme or strange name to it. So um, I got Christmas in July, which was <laughs> gingerbread ice cream with um, green sprinkles and a little star on top oh. and a gingerbread cookie, and it tasted like Christmas in July. Very nice. But also it's a really fun thing. So they just opened, yep. and they go all around Portland. And they just pop up with their cute little truck and their cute little menu, and um, really super
1: cool. That's New Frontier, man, trucks. Really? Yeah, food trucks. Oh, we've got a... higher-end food trucks and things like that, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. they're
0: popping up everywhere, I man. We've got a um, food truck pod right around the corner from our house in Kittery. Nice. Yeah, they got Taco Cat.
1: Taco Cat. Taco Cat. Yep.
0: Yep, and... We've um...
1: can got can- Cantina on the Plum Island Turnpike out to the island, so Ooh. that's always very tempting.
0: Have it been yet? Oh yeah, Ben. Yeah, they good.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Well, they get a restaurant in town, but they have the truck food truck out there most N- days.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Kittery also has Vagabond Coffee, which is this old '50s style truck. And Ken actually, um, my husband knows the guy that runs it, and that's what he does. He goes all over Maine with this coffee truck. Wow, it's really super cool. <laughs> it was a great day in Portland. Anything but, but coffee. It's. It, he's got like all these different kinds of like cold brew and special brews coffee. Like, that's his thing. Yep. It's just all this really wild coffee. Nice. So um, he's around between Kittery and Portland. So <laughs> I had a shout out to the foodies. There you go.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Alright, so we're going to go back and start in Kennebunkport. Um, this story actually comes from um, my book, Haunted York County. So we're going to bring you back into a lighthouse that's actually haunted a little bit more recently. Um, and a lot of people actually know the gentleman who is for out there. So we're going to bring you back to Uh, Goat Island Lighthouse, which is... A recent haunting. A recent haunting. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Well, because people ask all the time, when we talk about ghost stories on our tours, you know, are there any recent ghosts? Are there people that died recently that have chosen to haunt these places? And I do have in each town a handful of stories that in our generation, where somebody passed away and they're still haunting a place. Right. I find that a lot of people feel that most of our ghost stories come from a long time ago. Yeah. But it all depends. And um, this one, I think whenever we talk about lighthouses, there always seems to be some sort of ghost story or folklore. And um, this one's this one's pretty cool. It's actually out by uh, the bush compound. Um, even though the, uh, the bushes aren't there anymore, it's still a pretty cool spot. And also, little foot no everything's just kind of like flowing to me right now <laughs> there is a massive collection of sea glass that barbara bush collected out on walker's point really and she donated it to this open by appointment sea glass museum in Kennebunkport. so if you look it up you'll be able to make an appointment and go and see barbara bush's collection of sea glass wow. that she collected out there huh. it's amazing like really really super cool stuff all right so we're going to Goat Island, and it was the lighthouse on Goat Island that we want to talk yeah, about. That Tom
1: Brady lives. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I, I knew you'd have to throw something yeah. in there. Um, it was the last uh, lighthouse that was automated in the state of Maine in 1990, and it became part of the Kennebunk Conservation Trust in 1992, so they are taken really good care of it. But the gentleman that we're concerned with being the ghost out there, his name was Dick Curtis, and a lot of people believe that his spirit is out there because where else would he want to be? Locals tell the stories of seeing an apparition in the window of the keeper's house and an unusual fog that in develops the island on perfectly clear days which on the coast of Maine we get yeah. a lot of fog here and there does it mean there's a ghost yeah. perhaps <laughs> or maybe it's just a system moving up the coast yep the foghorn was known to sound off for no reason when it was sunny out the continual sounds prompted complaints to the coast guard All that noise. Come on, Coast you got to go do something about that. Knock it off, will you? Good. Sensors in the unit were changed, and later the unit was actually replaced, but it still sounded without explanation. Strangely, even when the power was disconnected, it still sounded.
1: That's compelling.
0: Yeah. So now now we've got a problem. Yeah. So it was Memorial Day weekend in 1992 when Dick Curtis actually went missing. Dinner preparations had been made in the kitchen of the keeper's house, and his boat wasn't moored. It was thought that he was off, perhaps fishing, gone off for the afternoon, and he had actually taken his dog with him. And he was watching a few other people's dogs, so they were all out, and nobody could understand where he was. He didn't show up all night long, so a search ensued, and sadly, a couple of days after the search, they found his body. And um, it was on the north side of the island, and it was thought that perhaps he had encountered some strong wave that tipped over the boat, yep. and he ended up being trapped under the boat and uh. drowned. It was also thought, too, that when they checked the motor on the boat, it was left at the th- full throttle position that maybe had some sort of problems with the boat itself. Yeah. But whatever the case was, people were very upset at the loss of this gentleman. So um, a lifelong friend of his has said that he's personally had a lot of encounters um, with the former keeper out there. And he said that he himself, took up the position after his friend had passed to be caretaker of the island. He did. He did. Hmm. And he said there was just constant, unusual incidents happening out there. Visitors to the house, when he brought them out there, said that a fan would turn on by itself without any assistance. Things would go missing in the house, and then when they searched for them, all of a sudden they would just turn up mysteriously in the middle of the kitchen table, <laughs> where, of course, Dick Curtis was often seen. Yep. Um, one afternoon... This is kind of one of my, my favorite stories. Uh, he said he was sitting in Dick's favorite chair, and all of a sudden, he asked his friend to turn on the heat because it was, you know, a little bit cold out there, a little chill. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this electric heater that was from across the room turned itself on oh my God. and started to heat up the room in front of him this and his kind friend.
1: ghost we need. Uh, that, <laughs> that or it was Alexa, one of the other.
0: Alexa. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we have Alexa in the 90s? <laughs> no. Sure. Okay. Uh Um, And he said that he actually started feeling pretty comfortable with the spirit of his friend out there. He said whenever he was out on the island, he talked to him just like he was there. And it's funny because I have a a lot of stories, um, particularly in Portsmouth, where people are alone and they know the place is haunted. And they talk to the spirits just like they're talking to anybody that you could see. And I, I always think that to me that's just kind of cementing the relationship that you have with the spirit when yep. you engage and when you talk to them and they'll come out even more and i i don't know i know people sometimes sound you know think it's a little bit crazy i actually think it's pretty cool well,
1: it reminds me of the story they tell about talking to god it's not a problem if you're going to talk to god it's a problem when god starts talking, talking back, back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very true yeah so he said he actually when he was talking to dick he said Every so often, as soon as he got out to the island and said hello to him, he said the foghorn would go off in response Get without out. explanation. And wow. he said that was confirmation that his friend knew he was going out to the island. So much like the talking wow. back, the island was yeah. actually talking back to him in acknowledgement that he was still out there being the caretaker. So... um. He says that he, he still goes out there to the island and still talks to him. And he says it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just, you know, if if you're at a place that you loved and had an opportunity to go back and be around a good friend of yours, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So that's his theory as to why he's out there. And he didn't want to really move a lot of his friends' things out of the house because that was part of the history. Again, you know, his sure. his favorite easy chair, the table yeah. that he sat at. It's just it's, it's a fascinating story. It's not. Not a particularly scary story. No. Some of our lighthouse stories on, on the main coast are pretty scary. But it's just, you know, it's just the place or an energy of a guy who's still where he's at, you know, where he loved. And I think that's cool.
1: Talking about recent or non-recent hauntings, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about on Ghost Chronicles, we talk about psychology of spirit mm-hmm. a lot. And you just wonder, like, for example, people who are, who are dying now, mm-hmm. and it's like I always laughingly ask this question, you've got all the space of time mm-hmm. to go to. You're going to end up on an island and in Maine, at a lighthouse, most of us are going to go to Aruba or something.
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> Hang out true. in the Caribbean.
1: Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, you could apply that theory to recent hauntings. Like mm-hmm. people don't stick with their places back in colonial days, for example, or Victorian right. days. They wanted to stay close to home. They didn't know, you know, yeah, they didn't have a beyond. view of the other world or no. you know, or what was available to them. They just wanted to be close to their family and their home. And yeah. it, and in old, olden days, families usually stayed in the home.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know,
1: now it turns over, you know.
0: Oh, I think there's, there's a sense where they want to be with what's familiar right. uh, to see what next generation is there, who's taking care of the place. And I think that's a lot of what I see is as people move into these buildings and different people and different generations, the spirits are there making sure that they're taking care of the place and just kind of overseeing what's going on there as well in many cases. And you know, I kind of- Or in this
1: case with this guy, there's an attachment. There's an attachment to the lighthouse. Right, and I
0: I think his, you know, lighthouse keepers were proud. He, you know, that's part of his legacy. He's just as much of the history on the island in Kennebunkport as as the lighthouse itself, being so well known, Uh, you know, I. I don't know I think it's it, sometimes it's hard to figure because you're like you know well why aren't they in the cemetery or why didn't they move on I think in some cases you'll find and just kind of asking you to keep your mind open here that with a spirit you can have them in multiple places at the same yeah. time
1: too yeah that's the other thing that I Think about a lot. Why are we limiting them to being in one place?
0: So I think you've got to break off your expectations of what you think a spirit is that they're, you know, they're just able to be in one space. Because I have so many stories where at the same exact time, when people have noted the time, that in completely different places, sometimes across the country, right. you'll have that same spirit making an interaction so d- does that mean that they're trapped in either space? What does that mean? It means that there's no bounds for spirit. Again, it's an energy, and energy can move far and wide.
1: Well, listen, we're doing that electronically now. You're here, but you're all over New England. You're all mm-hmm. over. Anyone can be watching this anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So I think, and the, we just the same talked about in the last show. You were talking about bending the spoons. One of the techniques involved a, pers- a part of you being in several different planes mm-hmm. at the same time. So, so why would that be limited in the afterlife? It,
0: it, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. But I, I think we just think about, you know, why are, why are spirits just in the cemeteries? Why do you go to yeah. the cemetery to be with the spirit? But they're not just there. They're, they're everywhere else. It's just, are you hearing about that spirit being somewhere else? Right. Is somebody else talking about it, and then being able to pull all of that together at the same time? Yeah. Um,
1: See, I never understood that. Yeah, I was raised Catholic, and the whole cemetery thing. It's like my family and people I knew around were very fastidious about the grave and visiting the grave mm-hmm. on occasions and things like that. And I never got that. I said, Chances are, if he's if he's out and about, he's not there.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, why? Yeah. Why? Why would he be there? Right. But I think in you know in instances like when we're working with Elizabeth. Like she knows we're coming. Yep. And and she's there and when people go by the burial ground, even if it's not with us and not on a tour, people will say when they acknowledge her, she acknowledges back. And they could be out on, out on Pierce Island and not in the cemetery, and they say they get that acknowledgement. Or across town, and they still get that. So that tells me that her energy is everywhere too, right. not just in the burial ground. But we just go there because we have that visual well, of the Well, we live gravestone. in time
1: and space, and right. You know, we, we, everything we think of is in the context of time and space, mm-hmm. and we may have to question that. Absolutely, Yeah. absolutely.
0: So I love um I love the story of um you know, keeper Dick Curtis and, and Caretaker and yeah. um you know it's it's one of the things that kinda comforts me. Like, yeah, I could go back to a place that I really enjoyed and connect with people that were there. Yep. Um but there is another another lighthouse that's a little bit further up the coast. Um it's on Seguin Island, it's the highest lighthouse in Maine. This story is not as uh not as benign. <laughs> nice as, as this one yeah. it was a uh, married couple that had moved out there and really easy story to document you can go back and check all of this out a couple when they moved out there keeper and his wife you're out on an island there's not a whole lot of vegetation it's a fairly small island um so what are you going to do to occupy your time so he bought her a piano and brought the piano out Why to not? the island yeah. and figured, well, he kept the light and she'd keep herself occupied with the piano. And unfortunately, as, as the story goes, he only bought her one piece of sheet music. <laughs> and you have well, to think to yourself, I really hope that he liked that song. Yeah. So apparently, according to the story, she played this piece of music over and over again at nauseam. Mm-hmm. So one day he was completely tired of hearing this song out there. So, as he went down the stairs in the morning, he had a little something in his hand and it was an axe. Oh, no. Went down and wow. d- decided he was going to put an end to the song. Took the axe uh, to the piano and figured, you know what, no, I'm not going to hear this song <laughs> again. I thought that
1: was going, but. Well, yeah.
0: actually, it did go there. Yeah. After he chopped up the piano, he turned around and killed his wife. Oh, God. With the axe. So, making sure he never heard that song again. Yeah. So, the ghost story on. The island is that you can still hear piano music playing out there, that one fateful song, on the island, yeah. and um, he was
1: immortalizing it.
0: <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> <It's> karma. <laughs> and um, you could actually go out there and visit Seguin Island's beautiful place. And there's lots of stories of the little keeper's house being haunted there. Um, they had been for years. You could put in a bid to be the keepers out there for the summer, even though the Coast Guard still yep. maintain the beacon, which it's one of the largest beacons in New England. It's a, a first order Fresnel lens, so it's taller than the room. That that we're sitting in is wow. huge yeah. so it could be seen way out at sea mm-hmm. and um i mean think about it this way if you're there all summer long you got free piano music a little little homage the old keeper yep. that was there wow. Yeah, so I guess the moral of the story is, if you're going to buy someone a piano or a musical instrument, you probably <laughs> want to buy them at least a, a, a few pieces, a of, a few pieces music. of music yeah. for for them to play. Um, but it's 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 a great lighthouse, and it's one of the ones that um, when you come out of Booth Bay Harbor and you take one of the cruises, you can go out to Seguin. There's 10-pound island lighthouse, um, all the Kennebec River lighthouses as well. So you're going to come down from the other way and come yeah. down south to see, uh, of course, Goat Island and some of the Others, but um, I always love the story on Saguin Island. It's it's like what finally snapped in this guy. Yeah, to say you know what today's the day. He I, don't the want, table. Yeah, I, I don't got want. Yeah, I don't want to hear this anymore. Yeah. you know, went out to the shed and said you know what I'm going to do this and and was done with it. So, anywhere
1: in the meantime, he could have bought more sheet music. You,
0: you, you think maybe <laughs> yeah. he might have got the notion that you know I could fix this problem, but he decided to <laughs> to pick up the axe and make short work of it. So wow. I I. Absolutely adore that story. Um, when uh, I admit, we don't know what the song was. Everybody asks me that all the time whenever <laughs> I tell that story, and yeah. there is no record of what the song is. And you I'm willing know, ma-
1: to bet it was Irish music. <laughs>
0: <What> <laughs> I'm willing to bet. <laughs> the, Irish
1: just... music is, music has almost got me there on a couple of occasions. Oh,
0: really? To <laughs> yeah. pick up an axe? Yeah.
1: Can only take so much.
0: This was a little homicidal there with the Irish music. Okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> nice. that'll do it.
0: So with um, Seguin Island, I had also um, heard an amazing story, not ghostly, but just kind of of the tenacity of the keepers back in the day. You know, we talk about Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse all the time, whether it's on our show, whether it's on Ghost Chronicles. I had met Connie Small. She was a lighthouse keeper's wife out there. I met her when she was 100 years old. Mm. She's one of those people. You're like, oh, my God. Wow. When am I going to meet somebody like this again? Yeah. Her and her husband, Allison, also kept Seguin Island Lighthouse for a number of years because they did a lot of the rough, desolate stations before they had come to Portsmouth. And she had told me that they were only allotted so much fuel or so much coal to keep them for the wintertime. On the coast of Maine, you never know when winter's coming. It could come come in November. It could come in the beginning of September. And she said that year... It got really cold really fast, and she was pretty concerned that they weren't even going to have enough fuel out there because you had what you had, and you had to make the best of it.
1: Yeah, like you had control over how cold it's going to be. Exactly.
0: So she said she was standing up on the cliff, and again, Seguin Island is the highest lighthouse just because the island is so high. And she said she was looking down on the beach one day as the tide was going out, and she noticed these little shimmering black rocks down there. Now, at the time, you know, we're, we're talking early 1900s, there was, you know, there was no way to walk down there with a walkway or a right. ladder or anything. You actually had to scale the cliff. So she decided to climb down the cliff. There was one area where she could make her way down, made her way down, and she picked up these black rocks and realized that they were actually coal. And that there must have been some sort of shipwreck somewhere oh, and they were washing ashore down there. Yeah. So every day at low tide, she'd scale she's down the hauling rocks. Hauling coal. She was hauling coal in her apron. Wow. She'd fill up her apron and then climb back up. And she said every day at low tide, she'd pick up as much as she could carry and then bring it back up to the lighthouse. And she's like, You didn't question that. No. Like you did what you had to Survival. do. Either you're gonna yeah. freeze to death in the winter. Or you're going to go down there and make the most of this opportunity. Yep. She she told this story just, you know, matter of fact, like I went grocery shopping. You know, I stopped at the market basket and I picked up wow. groceries. And she's like, that's what I did. You know, that's what I had to do. And it wasn't her husband. He was busy tending to the light. Yeah. So it was her. And she'd climb up and down. I mean, we're, we're talking like a 30-foot cliff.
1: That's amazing.
0: And kept enough to keep herself going for the winter over at seguin she too had heard the story because it happened previous to her of you know the the keeper and the piano she said she always wondered if there was something going on there but she said she never heard the piano music herself (laughs) but just knowing the story and being in the house she was definitely looking over her shoulder as well to wonder what was going on and how could you not i mean this was the room where it happened yeah but she managed to keep them warm um that long cold winter and there's I don't know. I I I probably am romanticizing the story too much, but there's something about that tenacity of, you know oh, what? God, yeah. I'm going to do what I got to do and you know, make the most of it and and she did. And it wasn't even wasn't even consideration that it was hard work. It's just yeah, what you did. She didn't
1: think anything of no. it. It's just like you got to do it.
0: Absolutely. That's what you got to do. And and she said even out at Seguin, she would bring dirt from the mainland because there there wasn't enough dirt and she would make a garden and she brought enough dirt to lay out a garden yeah. which of course in Maine is, is is not uncommon that you had to bring your own dirt to the coast because yeah. in in Kittery we have um, the cemetery out across from the Congregational churchyard it's the little church there is going way back to the 1700s and in order to bury people there you had to bring your own dirt really. Yeah, it was two dollars for the plot and B-I-I-G. bring your own dirt. Bring, <laughs> yeah, wow. Bring your own dirt. So, yeah. I mean, think about the main Rocky Coast.
1: And by the way, that wasn't when she was bringing dirt out to grow things. She wasn't gardening like we garden today. She no. was making food
0: she was she, yeah, this is
1: again survival
0: yep for for yeah. you know for the very lean times out there yep. because they were only allotted so many supplies and so much and they could only go back to the mainland so many times right. yeah so she would she would bring dirt out and and again it was you know it's like nothing to her yep. it's just this is the way we do it wow and um when and all
1: that and she lived to be 100
0: she actually lived to be 102 oh my
1: god She's yeah.
0: pretty amazing. Yeah, I used to go visit her at um, the Mark Wentworth home in Portsmouth, which is um, the house is super mega crazy haunted and goes back to the 1700s. Um, in fact, I just got a call from them last week to come over in September because they have more ghost stories for me. And we used to go over and see her. And she had this quilt that was in the closet. And she used to say, "'Take out this quilt. I want to tell you a story.'" And every square of this quilt, she had embroidered with part of her life story. Oh my God. And there was one square on there around the holidays she'd like to talk about. And she says, oh, yeah, I got to tell you this story right here. And the embroidery was of um, two men wearing hats and long coats standing in front of this massive pine tree. And again, she's got it all embroidered there. You get the little picture of it. She said she was up on St. Croix Island, which is up northern Maine. And that winter, it was um, during World War II. It was December 1941. Hmm. And it was, you know, nobody was thinking about the holidays no. in December 1941. Your family was away. Yep. You know, you, you were heartbroken. What was going to happen in the war? And she said, all of a sudden, one day, a boat came up to the island. It was men from Washington clamored over the island. They were looking around. She didn't know what they were doing. Again, it's the war. Who knows what's yeah. going to happen? And it just so happened that they went to St. Croix Island to find the perfect pine tree to bring back to Washington to put in the White House.
1: Ah, Christmas and, tree.
0: And she says, you may not understand what that means at a time like that today. Yeah. When everything was so bleak, no yeah. one was thinking of joyous celebrations, she was there when they took the tree off the island and brought it back down. It was one of the greatest honors she said she had ever had. That's amazing. To see these men pick out the tree, and then, of course, she went and found out what they were doing, take it off the island, and then bring it all the way down to Washington.
1: That was a string of events that led them to that island. Apparently the, the, tree. The,
0: the, the tall pine trees. It, yeah. it, it had the the right one that they wanted. She had this and her, her little quilt in there all these little you know little modest stories about her life huh. she had talked about when she was offshore at another main lighthouse um, further up the coast she said that it was the middle of winter again i mean and this this was her life she you yeah. know been doing this since she was in her 20s and her husband Drew very ill and she said it was up to her to keep the light going. Of course, there was a storm going on at the same time to, to add more stress to this poor woman. And she said she was doing her best to keep the light going and to check on her husband, Alson. And she said she had gone down in the room and she said she thought he was actually gone. Oh, she said yeah. he, he wasn't breathing, she couldn't get a response from him, she tried to rouse him, and she said she stood in the doorway of the room, leaned up against the door frame and started praying. And she said, you know, I, I don't know, what i can do you know god you're going to have to help me get through this you know he's not here you have to bring him back i have to get through this and she said she went up checked the light came back down he was sitting up in bed and said i'm hungry can you get me something to
1: eat holy cow!
0: and she said you know she didn't know if it was god angels what had happened to rouse him but she said there was something spiritual that went on there at that very moment she said, and it was it was like night and day. He wow. went from dead to alive. Th- this woman, I mean, honestly, she was amazing. If you want to learn more about Connie Small, by the way, she wrote this fabulous book called The Lighthouse Keeper's Wife, and it chronicles her life story. In her 80s, she used to climb aboard airplanes and fly all over the country and tell her stories, wow. again, in a very modest way. So I remember, you know, she, she'd tell me, Ghost stories and keeper stories and every one of those experiences I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed and said to myself, when am I going to meet somebody like this again? So I always wondered, you know, when she passed away, what was going to happen to her stuff?
1: I was going to say, "What?" Ha- I, that's the first question, what happened to the quilt? Where's uh, the quilt? Yeah,
0: I'm going to tell you, yeah. because I do you'd ask. Yeah. Um, but she also had some other strange things in her room as well. And, you know, I I can't even imagine all the islands she was on. She had a few things that she had collected like these weird-looking rocks. And um, I remember one day she had said, you know, take this rock off the shelf. Let me show it to you. So she shows me this, you know, this huge main stone. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm not seeing a whole lot there. She says, well... If you hold it this particular way, she says, it looks like a pair of pants. She says, look, it's like a little piece of carved art. So I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, it does kind of look like a pair of pants. She says, you know, I saw that. She says, when I was on Seguin Island again, we mm-hmm. talked about that earlier. She says, it was way down the end of the beach. She says, so I climbed over the rocks. It was the one rock that I wanted. So she says, I saw it because it looked like a pair of pants. But then she said, if you turn the rock around and turn it over, she says, it's flat on one side, just like a hammer. She says, so I used it as a tool. She says, so when I did want to look at it like a tool, she says, I looked at it like a piece of art. And I was just sitting there on a wow. shelf, and I'm like, yeah. this woman, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. So she had everything from the quilt to a simple rock that wasn't just a simple rock. So when she passed away... Her quilt actually made it back up the main coast, past our haunted lighthouses, to the main Lighthouse Museum in Rockland. It's now on display behind glass, mind you. But she never thought it was anything great. She had it like in a Rubbermaid tote in her closet. She's like, yeah, just take out my quilt and I'll tell you a story.
1: God, it's history. It's a historical document. Where where do you...
0: I can't think in in my lifetime. I'm going to be 50 next year. Yeah. I can't think of anybody that I, I've sat with and I said, you know what, take out this quilt and let me show you and tell you a story. And she did all, yeah. all the pictures on it by hand and each one had a date and each one related to this amazing story.
1: Did she document all of the stories?
0: Well, in her book, she's got most of them that relate yes. to, to the quilt. Yep. Um, and every so often, when I'm, I'm up in Maine and I'm doing talks and I mention Connie Small, you'd actually be surprised how many people will know oh, her.
1: That is a great story. Yeah, who wouldn't?
0: After Elsin had passed away, she ended up at one of the colleges as a house mother. To a, a lot of the women that lived in one building, and
1: okay, I mean, right. she was
0: she was like grandma yeah. to everybody. So a lot Whole of generation yeah, of
1: stories yeah. they
0: they know. So yeah. in part and parcel, a lot of her stories in her book, but it's also the oral stories that she was telling. And then you have this quilt. You know, again, you you meet so few people in your life that make that big of an impact I mean I was just dazzled because she had so many ghost stories to share with me yeah. and she had this artifact and you know all these other weird things in her room I love to whenever I'm up in Maine somehow I'm Beautiful always coming back old to woman her. who
1: didn't sit with a bunch of cats her whole life she went out no. and did stuff and, and lived and
0: lucid yeah oh my god better storyteller than I ever could hope to be <laughs> you know I think it's probably terrible for me to say this there must have been some preservative to the main salt air I mean, at 102, she barely looked 80. Yeah. I mean, and she was she was active, mind like a steel trap. I mean, it's it's those types of people that are, are rare in your life that you just you just don't yeah. forget.
1: Whenever, I want to go back to your story yeah. about about her with her husband, where she thought he was gone. Yeah. And it kind of wraps around. We started talking today about the show we did early with Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition and the bending the spoons and the talk about uh, changing vibrations Mm -hmm. and mental influence Mm -hmm. on things. And we've talked about it on these shows a number of times where all of these concepts are the same across all modalities. Mm -hmm. They're just termed differently. They're looked Mm -hmm. at differently. In her idea, her prayer was probably what we were trying to do to her. It was what we were trying to do this morning with bending the spoons and there was one one of the techniques which had to do with spinning yes you know and that type of thing and it's just it's just a different way of trying to accomplish the same thing it's all about i I don't know intent is that what we call it or
0: well that was i mean when we were doing the spoon bending today that was the first thing that we were told is you know your intention is that you're able to to bend the spoon and her intention was that elson would get better and she said she knew in her heart that he was dead yeah and um she uh, this was uh she was interviewed i want to say it was um by jack kerouac back in the day and this was oh, the interview was she? that she yeah. had she had given to him she was sitting in front of the nubble lighthouse just you know telling her story matter-of-factly again but she she was like i know he was dead and i came back and it, it was like it never even happened
1: but the prayer changed but, the vibration it did yeah
0: it did and and oh,
1: whatever term works for you in the modality that you ascribe to
0: well, and I think if you can have that amount of focus and energy, and, and certainly this woman had the love at her heart, absolutely, mm-hmm. to have him come back. You know, not saying that, you know, we can all bring people back from the dead, but no. in that moment, something happened, clearly.
1: No, but even even physically, even from a quote-unquote scientific standpoint, mm-hmm. he's sitting in a room, he's hearing her praying, mm-hmm. whether he's gone or not. Right. And we've, we know and we've learned recently with some studies that the mind lives on past the body's death for a while maybe it changes his approach to his own body and his you know it's a reconnection and the brain says oh no i gotta wake up
0: it it wouldn't surprise me yeah it wouldn't surprise me and and i think there might be because we know
1: the opposite here we know people who have just said i'm done
0: yeah just 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 shut down yeah yeah and and they're gone
1: yeah we see it with spouses all the time one Mm -hmm. spouse leaves the other one's gone a couple weeks later or
0: or even within a day. There's lots of stories of 24 hours. You know, they were together for 50 years. He went and then she went. Um,
1: But uh, we've seen people essentially switch off their bodies. mm -hmm. I'm ready to go. And they go.
0: Again, I think there was something special about her. I think she just knew. And again, spending so much of her life isolated with her husband. They were together for so many years. And I think it had a lot to do with the way she lived her life and her motto. Um, She said the very first time she went to a lighthouse with Alison. It was a spark plug lighthouse, which is a lighthouse out in the middle of the river. And her husband's like, all right, you got to you got to get out of the boat. And you're going to climb the ladder and get up here at the lighthouse. And she's like, you know, I'm going to die here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boat's rocking. I, I don't know how to climb a ladder. And he told her, he said, you know what? You get out of the boat, you grab the ladder rung, you look up, and you never look down. Yeah. And she said that was her motto for life. Yep. She says she always looked up and never looked down. She says that got her through some of the most challenging, difficult, scary, haunting yeah. moments in her life. And um, I think there's something to that. Yeah. You know, if you, you look up and focus your energy.
1: Power of the mind. Power
0: of the mind. Mm-hmm. So with that it's amazing we floated off to the end of wicked curious um we'll be back of course next week make sure you check us out at knowing curiosities.com we have a wand making workshop coming up this weekend sit quiet for the new moon don't let a whole lot go on in your world and we will be back next week with more ghostly and curious tales